And again, like I wish I could possibly design more, but I think I left that uh, like nine years ago. And I think I found more comfort in turning my computer on. And instead of focusing on pixels, more focusing on people. What's up, everybody? I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer. So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Eli Goldferrer. Eli is now a product design manager on the payment and services team at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Before this role, he was a product design leader in companies such as Wabtech, Home Depot, and more. During our conversation, we went over a variety of topics, such as the power of storytelling, being a design manager, working with cross-functional teams, and so much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Eli Gold-Ferrer. Eli, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'd like to start with um, your role to UX design. So I know that you started out as a graphic designer out of college, And then after that, you went into interactive slash motion design for a few years, and then you stepped foot into the field of experience design. I was wondering um, what led to these design career switches and why did you end up focusing on experience design? Yeah, I I think um, my narration or my my own specific story into our industry is like, I always like to say, yes, I did go to art school, but my design career per se started way before that. I used to... I came from a graffiti background, uh, hence the, the name Eli Gold uh, that, you know, my crew gave me. And, and then again, like, I think not just from an agency background, but also kind of like my, my graffiti background and kind of developed this like true grit uh, in my style. And like, again, like I'm not a very rigid person in my style, either from when I, when I was an IC, uh, individual contributor going into like, you know, moving pixels, et cetera. And now today uh, managing teams. Uh, where, you know, and again, it comes from my personality. So I think the the area there in jumping in expertise is kind of like you, you think of our industry itself, like today, typically we're considered, uh, you know, in-house for products as product designers. Uh, I'd say like seven years ago, product designers wasn't really a thing if it wasn't within Silicon Valley itself. So like, you know, before that it was interaction designers. But if you look at kind of like the nitty gritty of things you were doing, some way you were doing that. In many cases, there wasn't many in-house organizations, right? right. Uh, before that, like, you know, I made the jump in-house in 2015 to Home Depot. Uh, before that, as I mentioned, I was at, at agencies for many years. Uh, so I think, like, just looking how our our, um, our universe kind of evolves itself, entitling itself, but then also the, some of the activities and now that we have startups and larger, you know, and, and what used to be small startups now, small, mid, mid-scale uh, products and also like you know, the behemoths like the metas and the Googles of the world uh, as teams really, are, you know, are massive, like 300 folks. So, you know, I think it's like as we all kind of like look at how our industry evolves, it's, it's kind of like, you know, that those things start to take for each individual and for myself kind of like, yeah, you know, this is a great opportunity to, you know, leverage my hard and soft skills here. And that's kind of what, again, looking back, what made me kind of do some moves, et cetera, within my career. Right. Were there any um, skills that you acquired from, let's say, like graphic design or specific field that kind of transferred over to experience yeah. design? Yeah, I think I think one is like the mental model, right? And today, like, 
say you have product uh, teams that don't ship quickly. And specifically today, in today's world, where like everyone's like shifting, uh, you know, like what is it called? Like basically we have remote work and then we also have so many different opportunities coming up, right? Um, I think it's one area where many product designers don't understand. And that's where like some of the grit comes from like agency life. It's like, hey, if, if we don't win the pitch, right? Or if, uh, if, if, you know, they decided to go in another route, like another team won the, the pitch in, internally with your team, it's like, okay, move on to the next one, right? And the same goes for product design itself. It's like, hey, if we failed because the users didn't like it, at least we tried it. There's no reason to be down. Or if we don't ship as fast as other teams or other organizations, it's cool. So I think that that's like one area from a grit perspective. It's like, hey, it's good to like fail and learn from those failures and talk about those failures. So I think the grit is one. And then on number two is like, hey, um, always, uh, you know, jumping from like agency to in-house teams. It's like, hey, you know, making sure that you're expressing your inner self, like your values, your, your personal beliefs, wherever you go to really expand not just like a, who you are within your career development, right? But then I think number two is that aspect of like, hey, thinking about like the community. How do you serve the community? How the greater good of like our industry, how it grows and performs. So again, like you know, expressing those true values out there uh, externally is something really that that you know something a skill set or hard skill, soft skill that I really kind of has always driven the way for me. Yeah, I think. Sometimes, often, I guess, transitioning careers. Sometimes, the most transferable skill sets are the mental models and also、mm-hmm. the mindsets that comes along. And I think I, I want to delve into that, but kind of in a different segue,、um, which is, I know that on your website you have different principles and also guidelines you follow. And I'm assuming these are also a little bit related to mental models on how you tackle your work. So some of the things that you wrote down were like agile development. Um, design systems and also double diamond. How do you decide which principle to use depending on the context of the project that you're doing? Yeah, and some, so I laugh because like sometimes it's not perfect. Like if you jump into a new team or a new organization, it's like that that theory of like, yeah, my old organization did it this way, and possibly you're doing the same, but everybody does it different from one.、Mm. One team to another, or even like from one organization to the other. So for me, it's like, hey, you know, from a double diamond design thinking perspective, right? It's those five executional steps, right? Like that we have to、mm-hmm. go through, like you know, broadly how you research, how you gather that information, and architect and for、uh, architect that information out.、Uh, how you collaborate with others, and then diving into like design. I'm going really quickly because I'm、mm-hmm. not going to dive into each one.、Yeah. Of <laughs> And then applying to what works or what the organization is doing, and then sometimes tweaking because things aren't linear in any kind of way. And I also dive in there like with、uh, understanding uh, design thing. Uh, sorry, uh, design system thinking、mm-hmm. because I think number one, it's like、uh, you look at the focus of like designers and their craft.、Uh, some are really good at, at evolutionizing,、uh, evolving the way that design is laid out. When you're kind of like stream, like streamlining one design system itself, right? 
and there's many to talk about, uh, you know, uh, Salesforce and what they're doing, uh, Shopify, what they're doing, what we're doing here at Upwork today, and my previous engagements with Home Depot, et cetera, list goes on. Um, and it's kind of like what, how you look at designers and how they, they take a design system and flex it based on the user needs, right? Versus like understanding how to maybe possibly create a design system within an organization that doesn't have one, right? And mm-hmm. we know many different industries that uh, that just don't have that and are trying to, you know, get their design maturity across that. So again, it goes into like that, that playbook of understanding, like, okay, what is a design system, right? What are the processes to evolve, understand, and also educate the rest of the team, you know, so we're, we're not siloed in our own individual teams. But at the same time, as I mentioned before, like our processes, what are those, how do they expand? Uh, what do we come with, you know, almost like, you know, come as you please, but at the same time it's like, Hey, how do we learn and expand on that, that methodology or that process itself? So it's like, I guess, implementing the process into the existing structure of the organization or the new team. Exactly. It's it's a little bit about implementing, right? But at the same time, asking and raising your hands, asking those silly questions. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think that's when in large organizations we have acronyms that just come at you. And you're like, what the hell does that stand for? Pardon my French. But it's like, you know, just asking those questions, especially all the new folks, right, that are coming and joining the teams. Like just making sure that, hey, you're in a safe place. You can ask these type of questions. And at the same time, it's like, how do we evolve? How do we make ourselves better? What are we doing bad? What are we doing good? Etc. One thing that I'm really curious about is, I think in this scenario, I, I'll play devil's advocate in this case. Um, let's say that if you joined a new team and there's like a non-designer who have listened to your pitch on, let's say we want to implement this certain type of methodology. And I will I might say, okay, processes don't really work because the industry is messy and there's not really a linear process to things. Um, I'm just curious, how would you respond to that? And if even this devil advocate model is even valid? No, it's, it's, it's definitely valid, I would say. Uh, I, I So there's two routes there, right? One is like, okay, if things aren't playing out from a process perspective, there's, there's keys there to kind of hone in on it. Maybe it's like, does that team member how, how often have they communicated with the cross-functional partners? Do they understand where they're coming from and their specific scope? Uh, also, like, what their roles are trying to set within that process? Like, you know, have we communicated that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's maybe they have and there's still, like, some kind of funk in between that we need to solve. At the same time, look, products, especially uh, products that are emerging, are constantly changing, right? And like, that goes back to that grit. It's like, oh, we tried this. Oh, okay, wait, wait. We got to change, right? Right. And it's like on the, the team itself to really evolve in the way they execute and think about those models, right? Where it's like, okay, maybe something is broken. Let's fix it, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, we might have to change the way that we do it next quarter, right? That's kind of like on the fly, but it happens. I mean, it happens all the time, especially when the business focus itself is kind of shifting gears uh, very quickly. And it just depends on the industry itself. Right, for sure. Or the, or the, the, the company itself. Yeah. And I think in that case, um, do you think designers should have a clear design process or a clear design mental model for the work that they do? I Again, like, I think you should have a clear understanding of what they are, how to value those. And, and again, it goes back into a personal belief from my perspective. It's like, how do your values 
go into that? Because again, like from a UX broader perspective, product designers and what we do and, and collaborate with either content writers or researchers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we value those things, create non-bias to really push forward and evolve? And again, listen to our users, right? So it's it's one thing, it's like understanding the weight and value of these uh, processing methodologies, having those tricks up your sleeve. If one thing goes wrong, I can try something else. Yeah. Right. So it's like a little bit of everything, I would say. Right. So it's like, as you said, understanding the methodology, but also understand how to, like what's the value and how to even convince people who are not necessarily aware of the process or don't really understand. Uh, of course. And it goes back to that value of being an owner within the design realm in your organization too. That's a great point. Where like, you know, you're always advocating for process from a design perspective, right? And at the same time, you might be listening and cue some of those cues for like, what are those business values, right? And that's kind of like where us as designers, we have to kind of flip our model and think business first instead of design first. I think one thing that I definitely realized is that as I progress, I can't, I can't no longer just think about the design itself, like how to make things like pretty. There's also other facets of this that I have to consider, like as you mentioned, the business side um, and even like how this thing is going to be built. Yeah, I, some things that also come up there are like, you know, how does data affect mm-hmm. the goals, right? And like many organizations also run on OKRs, objectives and key results, right? So like I think the really strong, powerful-minded Product designers are the ones that leverage some of those actionable uh, elements. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like uh, within design teams, we don't have our own our own OKRs, right? We're kind of leveraging what the product management teams have, right? And it's like, how do we impact that in many cases? So, like you know, understanding what those are, those OKRs, and those key those key triggers that really create results, and applying that to your own day to day work. It's kind of like, and again, like. It's part of that storytelling, that aspect of like what you're trying to produce. And it creates meaning to like not not just the, the work itself, but also for the design team that's kind of making that progress along with their uh, cross-functional partners. For sure. I think you, um, this is actually a perfect segue to um, the next question that I had because you mentioned storytelling. Um, and I think storytelling is one of the most powerful um, things to tell a designer, to differentiate a designer from other people. Um, so I was wondering how has understanding the power of storytelling impacted you personally as a designer and it would be great if you can give some sort of example on that. Yeah. Like, uh, so back in the day, right. I was like, kind of like this agency days, like this is like early two thousands. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, so it's like a while back. Yeah. yeah. So I was like trained to like, basically be like, Hey, uh, you know, just talk about the craft and the skill and leave some of the, the outside experiences out. Right. And now our world's completely changed. And like, it's, it's basically, you know, it's, it's awesome. I love it. So I think, I think now what I, I constantly tell folks is like, no, make sure you express who you are. Right. Like that's what creates your own story within our industry. And that's really what makes you stand out. And then also, like, that's what brings different insights into, like, the things that you're looking at today, right? So it's, it's, a, it's like, you know, it's one of those type of things. It's like, look, as you develop your own personality, your own growth aspects, like those, um, those things that you want to leverage to kind of grow your career, add those to your story 
and make that part of your storytelling aspect and then also bring it into like your day-to-day work life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's encouraging, number one, to also like hear, you know, you know, hear what your coworkers are up to outside of work and how, that's, how does that culturally bring back to your organization? But then number two, it's like, you know, just being transparent. Uh, that, that true factor of like, hey, look, you know, we're real humans too. And you know, we've been through this pandemic, what, like uh, something like two, three years now. I don't stop counting. But it's like, you yeah. know, we, we lost a lot of like that uh, in play, that inhuman uh, in office uh, environment. So it's like, you know, as we're in virtual today, it's like, you know, it's it's a good sign or, you know, good telling when teams are actually conversating about just things. Right. You can talk shop all you want, but, you know, what is the grittiness behind like when you get out of the office, you know, out of the screen? Like do you have a family. What are they up to? Uh, do you have any hobbies? Uh, you know, what what are your interests? You know, like, and again, that, those are things that carry through and resonate as your organization, your culture really grows. So, again, like that's that to me is like storytelling in a nutshell. Uh, but again, as you express more of that, you'll start to see that that people just build confidence in the way that they own a product, that they carry the, the weight of that product and ownership from a design perspective at, at this point. Um, and, you know, express that that energy and that vibe to really not just be like an owner of your product, but also could you could be a, a representative of your, you know, your company's lens within that product field. Mm, love that. I was I was taking so much notes from that because I, I have a lot of um, thoughts on that. I think first off, the leverage part, I think it's I think one thing that I found useful was that take different experiences and try to find a commonality between them and then um, like something that's maybe more unexpected. So like like some of your backgrounds and then um, maybe combine them to form like a unique statement of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also I think vulnerability is also a really important thing, um, being transparent, as you mentioned, because it's, I think it's easy to to kind of keep everything to yourself, but then when it's like that, nobody can really understand who you are as a person. Yeah, keeping in mind that there's there's extroverts, there's introverts, and like, right. you know, how do they, you know, what their mental model is, but, but uh, you know, alongside like, hey, what are the ways that they like to work with other individuals on a team? So, you know, sometimes documenting, sharing that annotation from each member on the team, but but you know, just being open to understanding that that there's different types of people. This might be a hard cut to the next question, but I'm also really curious about this one, which is um, for a design student like myself, it's hard to visualize what it's like to be, I guess, on the other side of a career of being like more of a manager, more of a senior position. Um, so I'm curious, what does it mean to be a product or design leader in an organization? And what do you do exactly? Again, yeah, I'm, yeah this yeah. might vary depending on the place that you're working, but yeah. That, no, yeah, I was about to, I was, a jump, I was about to jump in there and say that, yeah, titles are weird. Um, and especially like when you make that kind of like fork in the road of, you know, you're an IC individual contributor designer and you're kind of like trying to level up. And it's like, you know, in some organizations, it's either you become a staff or principal and then you get to a manager. But at the same time, it's like when you're a principal, you're kind of almost at the same level as a manager. Right. Mm. Uh, Where you're still like you're still rolling your sleeves up as a principal and doing work like from a design perspective. Uh, Sometimes, you know, maybe uh, exploring other like routes uh, that say like a manager would do. Uh, like managers, like for example, where I'm at today, 
there's two caveats, right? So it's like one thing, it's a, hey, focus on the people first, right? Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a product, always going to be a product. So there's always going to be problems within the product to solve, et cetera. But focus on the people first and, and see how their maturity grows. So then say, hey, do they want to get to that fork in the road and then decide which route they want to go? Like roll your sleeves up, still stay embedded, and, and you can still lead and direct other designers, right? Mm-hmm. Versus like, hey, now you're a manager and you're not just focusing on, yeah, p- applying direction on design. You're not really designing the work. You're kind of, you're almost like a, this like a badass crew that's going down this journey within Figma or whatever tool you're using and like yeah. discovering what the right route is that the user wants. But at the same time, you're encouraging and like, and like leveraging some of their skill sets to really drive them to say, okay, what is next within your career and make them blossom and, you know, and not have them acknowledge those things. Because sometimes folks don't even understand like what their next phase is. Right. So like making that blossom. And then the other side of a, being a manager is kind of like the, the weird stuff that's under the hood. It's a lot of conversating with uh, cross-functional partners, like say like down, like from the VP level all the way to the PM level to engineering, developing a uh, developer level, like, what facets goes into like process? Like, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What are we missing? Um, and then organization uh, perspective is saying like, hey, going back to the designers, like making sure that they're being curated, you know, like they're they're being acknowledged for who they are and what they're trying to do. So it's like, you know, if a designer tells me, hey, we're missing and lacking this, it's my opportunity because I'm talking to these other folks on the other side to say, hey, we should try this and push some of their thoughts forward. At the same time, I not take that credit. It's more for like, again, applying that value for the designers. But like, hey, this was yeah. so-and-so's thought pattern. So like, it's almost like I like to think of a manager as like the glue behind the scenes. If mm-hmm. my, my common saying is like, if things go wrong, like blame the manager. Things go right. Oh, look at the look at the awesome designers, right? So it's like, yeah, it's people first, and then the product stuff. Uh, understanding the products, maybe sometimes uh, leveraging how the evolution of like refractoring, reframing that product could happen and being part of that strategy, uh, that roadmap planning. And also like um, when you have larger teams, how do you find capacity for some of the designers? And like that's like a two-way street within cross-functional partners, like the PMs, and then also working with the designers hands, uh, hand in hand to kind of find that capacity perspective. So that is kind of the nutshell of what uh, product uh, managers do. Uh, and again, like I wish I could possibly design more, but I think I left that uh, like nine years ago. And I think I found more comfort in turning my computer on. And instead of focusing on pixels, more focusing on people. I think that your last part literally answered the, the follow up that I was going to ask, which was like the <laughs> like the reason that you um, the reason that you made the transition from like IC to to manager of that, I think. To reiterate the point that you just made, I think one thing that I found really interesting was the manager's role to let the designers grow and like providing the environment for them to, I guess, not necessarily do the projects that they always like to do, but just let, let them know what's the next level. I, I think it's one that, but like also I'm really heavy on documentation, not being rigid from a documentation standpoint, but like every organization has a way of reviewing their team members. Mm-hmm. So like people tend to just forget or procrastinate, you know, every six months or like a month before or like maybe weeks before that to jump into some of those reviews. So I'm there constantly in our one bi-weekly or weekly one-on-ones to basically say, hey, 
um, make sure you document this and, and maybe capture this. Cause then like, it's kind of like your, you know, your look back six months ago of like what happened in detail. Right. And we can talk about those again, like a weekly on a biweekly perspective, but just capturing those thoughts to say, okay, wait, when it comes to like, you know, how did so-and-so impact the business? Okay. We look at an OKR, we look at the trajectory of the work and like, it's all documented and like, you don't have to kind of like think back and forget those fine details and uh, that are like kind of the nook, nook and crannies basically of all the goodness. Right. Mm. It's like looking back, really glad that we made this documentation to like kind of reflect on things. Absolutely. And again, like that goes back to like that whole structure of like, you know, designers uh, knowing and respecting that, hey, you have this time dedicated for work. Right. And you have things that some product uh, managers don't, you know, even industries don't even talk about. It's like spending also and allowing that time for for designers to really spend time for themselves to learn and grow outside of specific like day to day work. So it's like their passion projects. So like I look at it as like, you know, providing 10 to 15%. That's like if you look at it really on a week base, that's like maybe 10 hours. And we all know that 10 hours is nothing, right? Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, if you look at it like from like four months from now, you take those 40 hours, what did you do with that and bring that back? Either something that you, uh, you know, presented to your larger design team or something that you were advocating for, right? And working with other individuals, so like in contributing, so it's like, you know, scaling on knowing like what's personal time, you know, in work, personal time for the career development. What is time to actually, you know, you know, put the blinders on and just work and focus on those specific product needs. And then that other is like, you know, that cultural perspective. How do you bring some of those things in that traditionally don't, you know, they don't fit some sometimes, but they can just in conversation and like how we develop our conversations or, or I say our relationships within uh, our teams in themselves. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice would you give if somebody who just became a manager, a design manager, and then the person had was in the IC role? Um, yeah, are there any, I guess, good first steps or best um, practices or tips that you would give this person? I'd say, I'd say be calm. Uh, and, and share time with your team, like get to know not just your team personally, like the, fo- the folks that report directly to you, but also spend time to know those those folks on the other side, you know, like the, the PM, the product managers, the developers and, and build that nucleus. Right. Um, th- and I got another tip there is like, you know, things are going to go wrong and it's cool. You're going to learn from it. You know, each team has a bias to something or a way that they want to do something. Learn from that, uh, evolve from that. Um, and I, and I, thirdly, I would say always acknowledge and kind of represent what your team is doing. Like if it's in the form of shout outs on a, on a biweekly, weekly, monthly basis within your org, like always recognize those folks and the hard work that they're doing. Even if it's just a tiny little things, I think folks always, uh, they get a kick out of like just hearing their name um you know in reference to that and again that that focuses back to like career development and like those areas uh, where people like the more you talk about the, your team members and promote them the more people start to like understand like okay there's value for themselves staying here there was one part that i'm also really curious in which is working with cross-functional team members um i feel like as a designer when i change my mindset and start talking to developers and also product managers 
or even more like data people, I feel like it's like different skill set, different mindset. How much do you need to know in that case for different like different fields to be be able to communicate with them? Is it something that you do on the job, or is it something that you learn throughout a period of time? It's something that I learn throughout a period of time. I mean. Uh, some of my personal career development, like personal on the side, like, you know, if you think about scaling on my own side, it's just like spending time reading like product management, design ops, uh, not too much in the dev. Cause I mean, I came from agency and I was very close embedded with developers. So it's like, I, I don't live that world, but still like, you know, I can talk, I can get my way through. Uh, and I think it's more like, yeah, you learn what's going on by joining these meetings, joining these calls, creating these one-on-ones. Uh, but at the same time, I tell everyone, look, the person you're talking to is a human on the other side of the screen. So, like, you know, just be human, have a personal side and, and show that compassion. And like that compassion is going to come right back. I promise. Love that. I think that also ties back to the storytelling part of things. It's like, yep. like everybody is a human, like even though we're at work, like it's OK to, to make mistakes. And also, yeah, for sure. I think I do want to ask this final question and it's a question that i like to have asked everybody because everybody has their own take on it which is imagine a scenario scenario if you're facing yourself but 20 years old so that's probably approximately during college mm-hmm. time um what career slash life advice will you give him um and again, i think this goes back to like that that question you asked me earlier like mm-hmm. some of the the things that would have changed or would have been different like uh I think it goes back to, uh, I guess, in the time period, I was at Micah, Maryland College of Art. Um, and it's like, for me, I was always very, I'd say, like, I, I wasn't timid because I'm not, I've never been timid, but I wasn't like who I am today as far as like outspoken, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's like to anyone or just myself, I would say, in this, based off of this question, it's like, yeah, just be yourself. You know, you're going to grow into like all these different directions and gain that knowledge and don't be scared to basically, you know, be out there, like, you know, to be outspoken and have your own belief, uh, your values, uh, and, and let that determine, you know, what direction you want to go in. Like, I don't think that, you know, and again, at that time period, uh, there wasn't many direct, like, you know, as far as career perspectives, there was only agency route to go. And I think it was more because I was going back to Miami um florida at that time so like i was kind of like locked into like only this one phase so i'd say like you know don't let i would tell myself don't let that be a pre a predetermining factor where you can possibly go uh just keep on doing what you want to do uh and again that's i think that's something i can tell anybody today like hey just because you're coming from this aspect of life doesn't determine where you're going to be tomorrow right right so yeah putting yourself out there and being yourself along the process basically yeah basically well yeah i think with that that caps off the episode um thank you so much eli for coming on to the show (laughs) thank you so much hey there thank you so much for listening to this episode i really appreciate your time and again before we say goodbye my name is guo and you've just listened to the not just pixel show and i'll see you in the next episode